I won more premierships alone than the other he 19 managers. He has created an absolute Boys, we are here to rant. James, we have to do justice before we just slide right into the top four. I didn't want to get off track. This, this is one of the best title races of all time. Good afternoon, and Patrick. You're in a really heated race to finish in the top four. And you trot out a B team. What do they need? What on earth? I don't have an option. I'm talking World Wow. Welcome. Welcome. To Prem de la Prem. Welcome back to Prem de la Prem. Folks, if you know me, you know we've saved the best for last. It is the Red Devil United Roundtable Series. We've got a couple favorites back. Nigel Burton, Colin Amsler, two CMOs teaming up to bring their favorite takes on United. We talk Sancho. We talk Van de Beek. We talk the goalkeeper duel. And, of course, we talk Harry Maguire, hashtag free Harry. Um, it's a great chat with these two guys. Hope springs eternal for the new season. We now welcome back to the podcast our two favorite Red Devils fans of United. We have Nigel Burton, who just so happens to be my father, and we also have <laughs> Colin Amsler, our, our two favorite guests from the last time around. How are you guys a CMO. doing? Yeah. yeah, yeah, Dad, are you aware you're in the presence of a CMO? I, I that was you, was it? I did hear that. Um, the Chief Muppet Officer. Oh yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. The man, the myth, the Muppet. Okay. Okay. Well. <laughs> Uh, hopefully later on we'll we'll hear what the latest yeah. is. I've got all, right. all, all, all respect for uh, fellow CMOs. I have uh, <laughs> I have so many flight paths to discuss with you guys later. Yeah, uh, oh lis- listeners at home, we have a visual element up here for this interview, and you can't see, but in Colin's window, there's a if you've ever seen the show Homeland, there's a pin board with yarn tied to all these <laughs> all these different uh, these pieces up on a, on a cork board, and it's it's tracking a whole lot of flight patterns. Yeah. I also I also have bags under my eyes. I haven't slept in weeks. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, he's the new Romano. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a grind. Transfer transfer season's a grind. Yeah. Well, uh, gents, I I don't know if you know this, but I had predicted that the next time Patrick and I podcasted would I we wouldn't podcast before Jaden Sancho signed on. So I'm showing a bit of humility and also just maturity in this in the fact that we're even here right now. Is that a dig at me, James? Um, it was indirect. It was an okay, indirect dig. But I'll yeah, I so maybe that's the best place to start. And I, I might get a little bit too heated as we as we get into this. So Patrick, I think you'll have to be the uh, the arbiter here. But uh, I'd love to get uh, your two your two guys' takes on where you you personally stand in probability and likelihood of, of the Sancho saga coming to a close and, and how it ends. Well, Colin, you're clearly the uh, expert on the transfers. So. I, 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 I didn't. I don't want to take seniority. I was gonna. I was gonna let the the gentleman take over, but I'll. I'll just. I'll just kind of. You know, th- throw in my two cents. Um, I'll just kind of flex for a second. I. Uh, I. I'll personally say, and um, we'll we'll kind of delve into this uh, a little later too. But I'll personally say that it will happen. But we all know that Ed Woodward does like a good 
drama filled saga and it's I will say will happen within the last two to three days of the transfer window. Just to just to come from left field, you know, mm. just a cannon out out from out from Dortmund, Germany. Just here he comes, Sancho on a on a golden chariot. Some uh, say some say he doesn't want to pay Sancho's weekly wages while he's not playing games. You know, and some so say some it's, say it's, he doesn't want to pay his his agent fees either. So, mm. yeah. What do, what do you think, Nigel? I, I think it'll be exactly the same as our masterstroke uh, last season, which is we refused to buy Bruno Fernandes at the stated uh, transfer fee. The, uh, the other side of the negotiation, which at that time was the... Uh, is this Sporting Lisbon he came from? Porto? Bruno or... from, from Lisbon. Sporting, yeah. Lisbon, yeah. right, yeah. Sporting Lisbon said, here's the price. I think it was like 80 million. And uh, Woodward, who's obviously a master poker player, said, no deal. And hmm. uh, we went back in January for 80 million, uh, meaning we wasted the first half of the season <laughs> <laughs> without Fernandez. And we know how that story ended when he joined. So I think uh, my prediction is be the same with Sancho. We'll be paying 120 million for him, which I think is the asking price in January. It, you think it'll brilliant. happen in January? Yeah, yeah, no, it'll be the same brilliant uh, poker game, you know. Dor- Woodward Dortmund will say, doesn't no deal. seem like... No deal until January. 120 million then, and we miss half the season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in this this brings up an interesting question, I think. In either scenario, you will have games under your belt before this transfer gets across the line. Does United's performance in the first month or four months of the season impact the likelihood of this transfer? Let's say United keeps their run of form. They're near top of the table do they need a Sancho? Do they go for a Sancho? I think that I think that they absolutely do it if you know they're kind of you know at that point in, in the winter, maybe ten points off the pace. I think that that they they probably make the move then. But what is the what is the catalyst to getting this done? Is this just Woodward eventually just doing it, or is there something external that drives this forward? Well, uh, I would have to say um, the the other curveball that was thrown at us this morning actually uh was the news that phil foden and mason greenwood uh tested positive or they didn't test positive but they broke uh english they tested positive con- for uh, immaturity yeah they tested positive for being knobheads yeah for just being a couple of knobheads um so they'll they'll be quarantined for 14 days and the start of the season's in 12 so um we are out we are out uh, um of our right winger converted striker or striker converted right winger for the first you know game or whatever it is so maybe that maybe this is the catalyst that gets that sancho deal over the line maybe we need him so that's that's what i would have to say well what what going back to this kind of the original thing and i suppose a roundabout way i'll answer the question uh patrick you asked about does it have to happen is um that uh what frustrates me about this, and it was the same, as I say, it was the same last season, is it seems like it's either Sancho or or nothing else. And right. if it's nothing else, then you just pay the price. Um, so I don't understand how the negotiation goes, because if it's not, we're going to pay the price, then okay, fair enough, you have a little bit of backward and forward on negotiation, but you end up you do the deal because he's who you want. It's a bit like the Van Dyke and Liverpool. You, sure. He's the one player and nobody else will do, so you go for it. But what I don't understand is if we're not going to do it 
and I have my doubts about whether it will happen, other than January, as I said. Uh, <laughs> January does not the, seem like a Dortmund thing to do. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, Sold so Bongyong in January. Was that- no, but if, if, if it's not going to happen, or you don't want to pay that price, then what are your backups? You know, th- there are plenty of other right uh, f- forwards or right midfielders or right wingers, whatever we want to call this position, which is yep. a desperate need notwithstanding the Mason Greenwood uh, COVID bust. So uh, uh, that's my frustration is that, that there's a complete lack of sort of apparent strategy to this. Yeah, so we we didn't prep, preface the segment, but we're, we're full on into full on order. We're grilling you about what's happening here. <laughs> uh, and I think that, that 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 is the big question for me is I think that United's first 11 is... I, I'm not going to make the case that they're the best, or they're they, they're competitive enough with anybody else in the Premier League. They're first eleven, but when you get into the grueling Premier League season, obviously you're in Champions League now, so you can't be you know trotting out a Juan Mata during your midweek games anymore. You need to bolster that squad to more than you know just what you have. It it seems like this is the this is the time, right? You you, you had a couple years out of the trans the, the Champions League. You have the Champions League now. You have a young English talent that wants to come. You have the funds to do it. Why not? Mm-hmm. It's um, right. and if not, you know, like to your point, is is I mean, is it is it is it a panic buy on Triore or uh, what's the uh, Saint Maximan Zaha? Like who's who's the other guy that's coming in? There, none, there's rumors. I mean, there's always rumors with United, but I don't think there's anything substantial outside of Sancho. And then you know, obviously Van de Beek came in, but yeah, I mean that that would be that would be my my concern. Is there a backup plan, Colin? I, I turn to you. Well, I I don't know if there's a backup plan just because if you look at the history of our transfer plan or policy or whatever you want to want to call it, I mean, this right wing, right midfielder, right forward position has been a, a a hole in the wall for almost the last 10 years. So, we can't really look back on it and say, you know, what what we should have done for this because it is still a problem 10 years later and we have tried to band-aid it uh so many times over and over by just putting people just so far out of their positions in those areas that you know we just need an actual right winger or an actual right forward or whoever fits the system at that time and we still have yet to buy them so i mean it would be disappointing but for me, it would just be me being like, oh, this is just par for the course. Um, I do have a little bit of hope just because since Solskjaer has come in, um, it looks like our transfer plan has been, um, there's actually a direction and we have actually been buying players that fit that description and towards that direction. So I do have that little bit of hope, but I mean, that was only the last, what? two or three transfer windows and that doesn't wash away of the non-existent plan that's been happening for the last 10 years. So, um, so I don't know. I, I don't see us panic buying just from recent transfer windows, but I also see us just not buying anyone at all and just, you know, waiting for our next opportunity, the next window. I think we're, uh, I think it's a tale of we're slowly learning our lessons, but but meet the new boss, same as the old boss. A lot of the, a lot of the, the circumstances we're in right now are very 
are very consistent. I think we've learned our lesson on on no Galacticos and no more Alexis Sanchez's, especially after his uh, thank you to Manchester United note. <laughs> so much for that must have been some that, that must have been some first training session. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, Sanchez, please go get the kit. He yeah. saw he had to receive passes from uh, Lingard and Fellaini. He's like, oh, this is not what I signed up for. But um, I I think what you're seeing here that is probably not going to change while we're under the same ownership and the ownership's not going to change for for the foreseeable future is we will buy players but we're not going to prioritize urgency and strengthening the squad in in place of saving a few dollars and and cutting corners where we can financially if that's coming back for Harry Maguire for two million pounds cheaper at the end of the summer versus the beginning of the summer if that's going in for Bruno in January for the same price of what we could have done in the summer that's why I tend to think Sancho will happen but at what cost I mean that in multiple ways like at what literal cost and then at what cost of not gelling him with the squad uh, sooner yeah yeah I, I think one of the biggest things that you risk is if, if you don't buy him this summer, if you don't buy him in January, I don't think you're going to be the only suitor next summer. I think that the door, yeah, I, I, I don't, I think the door back to city is likely closed. Uh, but I mean, Chelsea, I could see them getting involved. I could see Liverpool going for that one big signing that they haven't really made since, I mean, I guess Allison and Van Dyke were relatively recent, but I, I don't think you would be alone after Sancho, and I don't know if this would so, kind of not uh, like kind of sour him yeah. on the on the move. If you know we couldn't get it across the line last summer, where's That's his head? At, you know? Let me let me ask you guys this, and I I want to do a little bit of credit where it's due because I personally think Van de Beek for thirty five million in a world where Jack Grealish is eighty million is a good bit of business, and we got it done in decent time. I'm curious how you where you guys stand on how he fits into the team. A lot of people are saying he goes into the starting lineup. Um, how do you guys feel on the signing and where he goes? Or fit where he fits into the team? Well, I think a lot depends on this, uh, the other conversation. If, if there's no um, stellar new right winger, like Sancho or whoever else it might be, um, then uh, I think there'll be a temptation to try a, a diamond formation in the midfield and run Rashford and Marshall up front. Certainly mm-hmm. in um, in the the games against the uh, you know like the games against Arsenal and other non top four teams. Where it's hard to break them down, um, but I would see you know the holding midfielder. In the diamond, being Matic, Pogba and uh, uh, and uh, Van Beek, and then uh, Fernandez at the top of the diamond with two strikers. So I, I think that's a possibility. But the thing I do like about it is if it's more traditional four three three, which would be more logical uh, because we don't have fullbacks to play in the in the diamond system, which I think is another conversation we need to have. Uh, <laughs> Our fullbacks are not equipped to to be at the level they're needed for how modern, like the modern Premier League, to be attacking. Yeah. So yeah, well they try to, but they just they, you know, um, they're there, but just the crossing is leaves something to be. We can cir- we can so, circle back to it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's come back to that. So since we don't have those fullbacks, I think it's more 
you know, obviously the 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 uh, we'd stick to the four three three, and in that case, he would rotate um, with either Pogba or Fernandez, uh, and uh, maybe doesn't start the season. And you know, and at that price, you'd you'd probably think that that might well have been part of the conversation with him, as you are you are not. Uh, necessarily a first 11 uh, player, but you are in the squad and it's a big season. Um, we saw basically at the end of the season how Fernandez was essentially on his last leg. So we can't mm-hmm. run a whole seven, what is it, like a 60, 65 game season with Pogba and Fernandez day in and day out. Yet the the alternatives uh, are not uh, not satisfactory for the for the level of uh, competitors needed. So you know, meaning um, Fred, Matter, McTominay, whoever it might be. So anyway, to answer your question, I think um, uh, essentially um, uh, a, a second half substitute or and or replacement for Fernandez or Pogba. And I'll have to agree with pretty much everything Nigel said. Um, the only thing that I would piggyback on it is that. If we can't get our top prospects uh, signed on the board within the first couple of weeks, like teams like Chelsea have been doing, the next thing that we should be doing, so we're not also crunched for time, is signing depth. Because that's the next thing behind a right winger that we also lack, is just depth in positions. And um, signing Sancho would be nice because he can he can be depth for any of the front four um, positions. So he essentially is uh, a starter signing, and then he's also depth signing for all those other positions, which allows more flexibility. Um, I think the Van de Beek signing, um, I personally don't think he's going to be a starter right away. Um, I think they did that for more rotational because he can be both, uh, he can both sit in the hole for Bruno. Uh, he can play, uh, for Pogba, um, I'm not very sure about how he is defensively, so I don't I don't see him as more of a defensive midfielder. But if we're signing these uh, depth signings, it shows that we are still ambitious um, to play this long, grueling season. Because I believe it's what December or January where we're playing a game every like three days for like six weeks straight. I mean that's 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 going to be killer. And if we don't have backups. Or our backups, I mean, it's going to start showing, and it will definitely start showing towards mm-hmm. the end of the season once we kind of get through that meat of that season. That if we don't have depth, quality depth signings, um, it's just we're it's just going to be a, a terrible season. Um, so I I believe now, I think Sancho is going to be put on the back burner, but I think right now we're going to start seeing some some depth signings um, that aren't going to be starting, but they. They are of starting material, uh, but they'll be able to rotate it because we're, we're definitely going to need that for later. I mean, that harkens back to the old, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson philosophy, you know, where he would have some of the best attacking talents in the world and he would go after and buy, you know, another one, you know, always kind of having competition in the squad. And I think you talked about January, February, you want to be playing in the, the round of 16 of the Champions League come February. And if, you know, you look around the Premier League, I would expect top four to be a very, very contested race this year. So you will need quality players in both in both competitions. It's interesting you'll say that. I thought Van de Beek was going to walk right into the first team. Maybe I just thought he was a bit more of a holding player than he is. Uh, but that's 
but that, that, that's interesting that you guys see them as, as a bit more uh, ro ro rotational and, and behind, you know, with 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 Maddich and I, I suppose McTominay probably as the as the holding uh, as that holding player. Yeah, well, and you can also look at City. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne sometimes sits on the bench. I mean, he'll come off the bench, and he is arguably one of the best midfielders in the world. So if one of the best midfielders in the world can come off the bench, then you know someone like Van de Beek can also come off the bench. And I'm not I'm not saying that to dispute any talent yeah. he has. I think he's a great player. But I mean, in the game that is played today, and how many and how often we play. Like you will need to have that quality coming off the bench if you want to succeed um, throughout the season. So, is part of this Pogba insurance? Oh, you know, I didn't even think about that. Um, I I would say I would say so. Um, I was kind of getting into the whole uh, rumor mill, the Muppet Mill, as you as you would call it. Uh, uh, at the end of not the season that just ended, but the season prior, uh, when Pogba's future was still very up in the air, um, and uh, there was some, you know, there were some words uh, being passed around saying like, should we sign a Pogba replacement regardless if Pogba stays? And my thought was yes, not so much that I think Pogba is going to leave, but um, you should also just have that insurance just in case. Uh, just in case he leaves, just in case he gets sick, just in case he, you know, hurts himself like he did last season. Like you just need that insurance for pretty much any player on the field. Um, and that just kind of just goes back to the lack of depth that we have. So um, if he does end up leaving, I mean, I think Van de Beek will slot right into that um, as well. Um, if he ends up staying, you know, that's fine. They're all going to split games together. So there won't be a problem of not getting enough game time. So I yeah, would I would Fred, I would say yes. Of course, Fred is a good uh, backup as well for for Pogba if we lose him. Is that sarcasm? Is that sarcasm? <laughs> yeah. So thanks, sir. Uh, yeah. Obviously, when it's a voice uh, podcast, uh, the sarcasm will not necessarily come through on there. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, well, Fred is uh, Fred is uh, strictly backup for the Carabao Cup, I think. So uh, <laughs> uh, this is the only person who's arrived in the Premier League, which I say is a tough transition. And then now has into his. I think this is his fourth season, right? Um, no, this will be his, his third season. This will be third. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it just seems like it's been an entity, <laughs> uh, endless journey. But he's the only player who seems to uh, adapt less well to the Premier League the longer he plays in it. So uh, there was a little patch where he was actually quite good. But then I thought, well, I, I thought know. he was the best player in the Sevilla game, but. Uh, Oh, yeah. yeah, I do. Oh, um, anyway, okay. we can have the Fred discussion later because I do have a nice little segment for you guys. Um, I don't mind Fred being in the squad, but he's not a Pogba replacement. Sure. So the answer can to we, that can question we, um, is I, I believe the, the chips are now down on, on Pogba staying, right? I mean, um, uh, th there's not been one discussion this this in all of the gossip Ray stuff. Rayola, not one Rayola of them. And, and that gossip it. stuff... Yeah, yeah but yeah. I would say yeah. I think... For him, it's ambition, right? Like, who's to say in January the, the the rumor mill won't just stir up again if we don't sign anybody? I think, I think, mm -hmm. and rightfully so. I mean, people give Pogba crap if for wanting to leave, but if we don't show ambition, he's in the prime of his career. Like, he's gonna want to leave. So, I, I think it's just a matter of kind of putting our chips in the table as far as how competitive we want to be, and that'll matter. Yeah, yeah. I won't. Yeah. I won't believe it until I see the pen and the paper being signed. So, yeah. and, I, and my my question on insurance was just more of like he he seems to just 
rightfully or not, always kind of be the speculative figure, whether it's injuries, whether it's squad selection, whether it's the, the, him fitting in with the manager. He just always seems to kind of have this question mark, and I think it's due to the massive, massive talent that he is and the fact that he doesn't always either impact the game or even play in all of the games. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do think that no one has benefited more from Bruno Fernandez than Paul Pogba. Right. I think that the, the 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 spotlight is off of him. I think that he, you see it more in the French squad. I think he likes playing with. I mean, why wouldn't you? But I think he's at his best when he's around other world class players. I think that he really he likes playing with people who are as good as him. I think is the best way to say that, and that he likes to have. And you can see he has fun fun with it, and he's really opened up his game. And I still think he's an absolute top, top player. I think with the addition of Van de Beek uh, that United have the best midfield in the league, maybe maybe people at City would have something to say about that. Who knows if Thiago comes into Liverpool, what happens there? But I, I, I do think he's still an absolute world-class player. And you get a year now, in my opinion. You get a year now to see what this team can do with a with a full season of Bruno, with, you know, Greenwood have already taken that step forward. I, I think it's a pretty fun time to be, you know, as much as I hate to say it, a fun time to be a United fan. After you know several years, where it would be a little yeah. bit more more difficult. Um, yeah. It, sorry, go ahead, Colin. Well, I was going to say it, it definitely is exciting. If it, it's it's it would be even more exciting if uh, all this comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. You know, signings that need to be made, and I everyone can say that. Everyone on any sports team can say that. But uh, with the direction that's been taken the last year and a half, it's it's definitely good. I'm, I want definitely. I'm definitely excited for this next I wanna... season. I also just want sports. <laughs> yeah. So. I want to ask you guys this because I noticed we're talking about a little bit of how we line up the players that go onto the field. I want to talk to you guys about the goalkeeper position. I have a very particular opinion on this, but this is this. I want to hear from you guys. Obviously, Henderson's come back to Manchester United. He's signed a contract. Uh, Man, you tried to sell it as a new player signing, and we weren't having any of that. They, were, they tried to market <laughs> it as a new player signing. Um and he's made it very clear he's challenging for the number one position. Standing in his way is David De Gea, United stalwart, and, and still, some people say, one of the best keepers in the world. Do you guys think this level of competition is good? Do you think it's bad? Ultimately, who do you see um, taking taking the jersey? Or how do you see it unfolding this season? I think it's a great thing. Um, I think every every player, back to the last conversation, even about uh, Pogba or Fernandez, every player should be challenged, uh, feel that, that there's pressure on their place. And I think the last two or three seasons, uh, De Gea hasn't. And Romero is such... So Romero is actually a good keeper. I think he can get into... He could be in many other Premier League sides. I think he's a very good keeper. But he clearly is not aggressive enough uh, because I think he was really badly treated about uh, the FA Cup and uh, the Europa League. Romero should have yeah. kept his place. Yeah. And, and if he, he had, maybe there's a chance we'd have been in one of those two finals, if not both of them. Um, so what that means is Romero behind the scenes is not pushing enough. And Dean Henderson clearly is going to push. Uh, and... Um, in fact, uh, this is. Uh, you guys have a, a, a section where we're supposed to make predictions or something. Is that right? In, in this. Well, I could drop one in now if you'd like, because I, I had it in my head as one of that it section. It would probably pair nicely. But with it relates Patrick's. to this. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so my prediction uh, this is one that works in the short term, so it's measurable by January is that by the end of December, Dean Henderson will have played a Premier League game instead of De Gea. 
through not through suspension or injury. Let me let me uh, let me add to that. Do you think that would come on the first day of the season? No. no. Okay. So Patrick might have something no. to say about that, but uh it's just out there. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Hot Colin, what, what do you Hot think? You know, I'm not I I'll, I'll let Colin yeah. go before I yeah, I weigh in on this. Oh, yeah, sure. Um I mean I wish I wish I could go first from Nigel because he's just stealing all my ideas, but he's also been on this planet and a Manchester United fan a lot longer than I have. But again, as a broken record, I just agree with Nigel and I want to piggyback off of what he says. I think I do think that having Romero as the backup keeper wasn't necessarily pushing De Gea um, you know, too far forward. I do think the the hunger and the youthfulness of um Dean Henderson is definitely good for De Gea. What I don't, what I don't like, and it's kind of like the ghosts of how we used to run this club was handing De Gea that giant contract, um, regardless if it was necessary or not. Um, because right now, right, it would be right now is when David De Gea's old contract would be would be uh, expiring. Am, am I wrong or? Because he had one year left before we signed it, and then you had to after. extend him. Yeah, so you you, you, yeah, so you had to extend him. I'm sure he was asking for a lot of money, um, probably for this case, because now it's almost impossible to trade him. Um, and if he continues to have, if he when he he will be the starter uh, for this season, um, and if he continues to decline or if he's starting to have a subpar it's going to be nearly impossible to Let trade me. him so now you have you know this expensive player just sitting on the bench while dean henderson is taking the reins which is fine again it's good to healthy competition but from a financial perspective um that those are kind of the ghosts of how we used to run this club kind of coming back and haunting us just one more play time. So, devil's advocate for a second because i at the end of the day i do think it's better than having one keeper with no competition, um, which was the case before. However, I do have a genuine concern of, you look back to Schmeichel, Van de Sar, maybe De Gea is an anomaly from those two. They were never challenged for their position. Maybe they just had it in them to be able to elevate their game on a consistent level. I think you read about Schmeichel. He's definitely a bit of a, a psycho in that regard. But... Um, <laughs> Is it really that good of a thing to have those two very well-paid goalkeepers in there not settling for a bench position and maybe being upset in the in in the process of it? Is it good for our back line to not know who's going to be behind them, giving them instructions on a regular basis? And is there a world where, let's say De Gea messes... I, I think De Gea is going to start the season. Let's say he messes up. Henderson comes in. Is it going to be a thing where... Okay, well now Henderson's messed up and De Gea comes back in, or is it going to be like De Gea, you messed up one time, Henderson, you're our keeper now? And Colin, I'll go back to you first, so you can. Yeah, sure. Um, you can kind of you can kind of look at college football, uh, even NFL football sometimes, uh, to kind of know that if you swap quarterbacks even during the game, that it's not very good. So when the transition inevitably does happen, I don't think it's going to be like you said, where if David De Gea screws up, he's going to get either, he's not going to get yanked, but he won't get the next start. I don't think it's going to be that, um, that quick in transition. I think if he has a bad string of games, because there will be a lot of them, I think you'll start seeing Dean Henderson start popping up more on the team sheet. And I think it will be kind of, you know, slowly being, introduced into that 
And if he can keep that run of, if he can find form and then take off on that form, then I think De Gea will start like slowly being phased out. At least in the Premier League games, he'll start getting slowly phased out and then maybe into the cup games. Um, yeah. But I don't think it's going to happen, you know, within three games. I don't think it would happen. It wouldn't be like a back and forth kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I don't know why we keep talking about um, when De Gea makes a mistake because he's been making mistakes. Um, sure. He's had a one and a half bad seasons. You know, it wasn't just last season, it was toward the end of the prior season. Um, you know, it seems to me he spends more time, and I say this recognizing I have two, uh, I'm doing this with two very well-manicured, bearded uh, gentlemen in front of me here, but De Gea seems to spend more time during the week worrying about the quality of his beard grooming than whether the ball is going to go between his legs. Um, he's lost completely any sort of edge or uh aggressiveness you know you were talking about schmeichel before uh, any good goalkeeper has to command kind of uh, not just command their 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 penalty area but but the respect within it and i i just feel De Gea has completely lost it any more times i see him and lindelof looking at each other when the two of them have let a ball go in at the near post between them I mean, I will do my nut in. I mean, Roy Keane won't have seen anything compared to, to if that happens again. So uh, he should be kicked off the bus just to keep on with the Roy Keane. He will start the season. <laughs> uh, Dean Henderson will play a game, not through injury or suspension to De Gea, before the end of January, which means uh, maybe that is the transition. Uh, and um, maybe that's the transition. Now, what De Gea has to worry about is... I think this uh, isn't this summer like the European National Nations League, and then more importantly, the season after. So, if you go to the next season, is the World Cup, and he's got a lot of pressure on that Spain goalkeeper. Well, hang on, it's it'll be it'll be the Euros. It'll be the Euros next summer. Yeah, yeah, because it got delayed. But then it's the World Cup the season after. So he during to back to your thing about where would he go uh he could be offloaded at a reasonable fee because of his new contract colin um in the summer so i I feel the goalkeeping thing that i know it's not a new transfer signing james but i feel like it works that way i think it's a smart thing to have done that's an interesting point because not only are these two guys vying for the number one at united they're likely both vying for the number one at their respective countries so both of them and effectively to get that, you need to be getting first team minutes. So something's got to give if both of those players still want to have that ambition. Uh, and and I think it's, I mean, I think it's, it's clear that he has a crisis of confidence, uh, but it's not like the striker position where, you know, those are the two positions where I think confidence is, is, is very easily worn down and you need to kind of get a rotation. And if you rotate a keeper, it almost feels like that's, that's a, that's, look at Kepa. You take Kepa out for Caballero and you're like, okay, he's done. He might not be done, but that's what you think, right? You think when a when a keeper gets taken out for a reserve, yeah. that is a, it is a passing yeah. of the guard, not in the way that we're giving him a couple of games to get back into form, as you might with a with 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 a striker rotation. That's the, yeah. So what rotation. I feel is going to happen, and I don't know when it'll happen, but um, it 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 will happen, is that um, the guy at Atletico Madrid will go to Chelsea because oh, clearly yeah. Chelsea want a new keeper. Who, what's his name? Oh, Black. Yeah, uh, Black. Who? Oh, Black. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's yeah. he's very very good, and De Gea just goes back to Atletico Madrid. 
Um, I think and so as well. that's the end of that. And we end up with Dean Henderson, which I like, uh, who, who will become England's number one. So everything's good. <laughs> James, you hate that. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't hate that. I think that's probably the most likely scenario too. I, I, the point I was trying to make is also Pat's. When you when you rotate keepers, it's not out of, it's it's a big deal. It's not like oh this midfielder is out of form or he's fatigued. Let's get a new one in squad rotation. The goalkeeper position should be the rock of your team, the cemented down position. And I think there's going to be a little volatility this season. Competition is good. I'm very curious to see how smooth this all plays out. And I think the way Ollie manages it is going to be huge. And he's already making a big call by making this a possibility. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm, I think the end result... It would excite me as a fan. Because I think it's it's clear that De Gea. I I don't think that he is nearly as bad as people like to say. I don't that he think is. so I either. Think I still think he's class. To see people like fall from the mountaintop and you know have their go, I think people do enjoy that, especially with a big player in a big club. I think fans of other clubs really enjoy declines yeah. like that. But there is a decline. He went from eight plus eight in his expected goals in that seventeen uh, eighteen season, the last Mourinho season, which I think equated to around sixteen or seventeen points that he earned or saved united to still positives but he went to like 1.5 and then 2.1 over the last two seasons so marginally improving what otherwise would have been goals so still better than average but you're not paying him to be better than average manchester united that you know i I would imagine that's not your expectation with anybody is better than average you know i think that you have a higher bar for everything and dean anderson is he showed it and i think he's earned an opportunity whether that's in the champions league this year whether that's taken over for de gea's you know missteps I think he's earned a chance to stay at United, and and, and yeah, I, I I would welcome that as uncomfortable as it may be to see somebody who you well, really yeah. We'll put it this way: if if Dean Henderson had stayed at Sheffield United, he would have been in my fantasy league, not the hair at Man United. So I think well, you've got to look at pricing. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, okay. Well, let's move it. Let's move it along to other areas of controversy and other areas of the pitch. Uh, have you guys ever been to Mykonos? <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard it's lovely this time of year. <laughs> um, I have to ask, and I don't know if you guys listen to Patrick James. You and you and I were yeah, there. Yeah, that's as right. A, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've listened to Patrick or I's uh, our law special on on analyzing the McGuire situation. I don't, I'm very curious to know where you guys stand. I guess first and foremost on what actually happened, and <laughs> secondly. Maybe more pertinent to what we do here on Prem de la Prem. Uh, do you have any problems with him keeping his place as in, both in the side and, and with the captain's armband? And Colin, why don't we start with you? All right. Um, this is a tough one, and I'm actually going on record to say say these things. It's terrible. Patrick, um, you're recording, right? No, I... Yeah, Again, we can James, we can we can cut my audio so it sounds more favorable than what I actually said, and then we'll just leave <laughs> it up to the official transcript later. Um, I uh, I see. I don't. It's just <laughs> it's just so weird what happened. Uh, it's just it was so bizarre, and it's also just bizarre that all these players are now like coming down with COVID. It was like you know you just like opened up the door a barnyard door and like all the animals ran out and they're just like finally and then you know you got COVID you got bar fights you got sneaking women into hotel rooms like it's just like chaos right now. Um, I I still I don't know how the 
the Greek law and law enforcement do how they do whatever they do. It seemed like it, like it seemed like everything went by super fast. It was like a whole day uh, of him at the court, and I'm sitting over here in America, and I was like, wait, they still at least have another 18 more months until he sees the judge. Like I don't know why this went so fast. Um, they are going through the appeal, so I'm kind of curious to see what that comes out there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems like everyone on the English side is backing up Harry Maguire than everyone else is, is not. So, uh, I just, I don't know. It's just like, everything seems like a blur. I, I, I can't even say if I agree or disagree with this just because I just, I, ha I have no idea. The what's facts are yet right to come out. I'm just, yeah, uh, even if they did come out, I'd still would have no idea what's happening. So I, I, I would just, I'm just going to yeah. be neutral in this train car. So would right you, now, okay. So. so as a neutral, um, would you play him first game of the season? Is he, is he still the captain? Uh, yeah, I would play, I would play him. Um, whether, whether he's a captain, I guess is it's still, cause I mean, you know, captaincy, it's not so much just wearing the armband. It's actually like, <laughs> it's actually being the armband, you know, and you mm -hmm. could take the captain armband away from Harry Maguire, but if he's still on the field, he's still going to be the captain on the field like there's no you can't strip him of 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 that leadership role uh per se um but you can you can you know take the actual armband away from him but no one's everyone's gonna be like All right you know harry's still the guy so i think you know if you want to make a show of it sure you can take the armband away from him but that's not going to change what happens on the field yeah <clears throat> so i i think this is a i think this was a huge error and on his part, and I think it's a huge, uh, unnecessary problem. And uh, one of the <clears throat> more uh, unsavory headlines of the of the summer for for, for Manchester United, because um, you know there's a couple of things. First of all, even in normal times, I don't think <clears throat> the captain of uh, <clears throat> Manchester United should have been you know in a Greek nightclub two weeks away from the start of the season you know, boozing it up with his mates. And, you know, I can say this because uh, I'm English, but, you know, put English people in a foreign country, in a bar, it does not lead to good things. <laughs> so, um, you know, where there's, where there's fuel, there's fire. So clearly, you know, bad stuff went on there because there was too much alcohol involved. You then put on top of that COVID and you're saying, why the hell are you leaving the safety of kind of, your own bubble or whatever you want to call it, going abroad, drinking and and in a COVID inflicted uh, area or an environment, which is a, a nightclub. So, you know, I, I think it shows a massive lack of judgment and a massive lack of uh, leadership. Now, if we could rewind to your question, like, because Man United have essentially already said he's going to play and he's going to retain the captaincy. You know, they've gone to the legal aspect of like uh, innocent till proven guilty right but leaving aside the law part of this which is still to to be judged to me there's a club and a leadership aspect of this which has nothing to do with the law which you know uh, Solskjaer should or the club essentially should have said this is not on this is not on for the, the 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 anybody in the man united team let alone the captain and um he should have been suspended and because um 
it, what it shows to me is that, 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 that we still haven't quite got, and then you follow it up with the Greenwood thing that just happened. I just don't think the mentality is quite right at the clubs. Um, and, you know, I don't think that the, you know, Patrick, you referred to the first 11 being a good, you know, competitive first 11, but it's not at the level of a Man City. It's not at the level of a Liverpool, um, even the, talking about the first 11, let alone the squad. So a huge part of why Man United got to where they were over the last season was the sense of bringing back the ethos of who they were as a team, you know, youngsters, uh, going to die for the badge, play for the badge. And this rides right up against that. We're not a Galacticos team where you can forgive, you know, a, a Suarez for, for biting somebody's shoulder. You know, it's it's uh, <laughs> right. like the Musketeers. It's all for one and one for all. And and I think this uh, this shows that the, the, the mentality is not quite right there. Um, this suggests uh, he's thinking about you know, himself rather than, than the club and his responsibilities. Big lack of leadership, uh, big problem. And that's nothing Very, to do with the law yeah. about whether he's guilty or not. I'm talking about, you know, it's not as if he was innocent of being in that situation. To even be in He was in that situation. Yes, yes. Right. That, that's a great point because I think when, obviously I went on quite the journey learning about this and then afterwards <laughs> I, you know, kind of found out some more facts and, and and yeah, I, I was like, yeah, I don't. I think it was more likely in that situation that he was provoked than an instigator. That's what right. I I believe in that situation. But to take that step back and say, just w when you paint all of that that full picture, it's like you're two weeks off. You know, you, you're expecting to compete, and you're the captain of Manchester United. You're not you're not a twenty year old. You know, you're expected to make some better decisions than that. That's absolutely fair enough. And uh, and 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, I was just thinking as you were saying that who would be the next captain and I just kind of struggle for that that other person and I'm not even entirely convinced of Maguire myself I don't know if that's just a bit of a bias or not but uh, it's yeah James I'm interested to hear your the sentiment on, among on fans is is Bruno Fernandez is a very clear captain and I think you look at the dressing you look wow. at the dressing down that he gave Victor Lindelof I don't think you've seen something like that since the uh yeah no to me that was one of the best things that happened in the whole season and that's what I'm talking about, about uh, the, the spirit and ethos of, of Man mm -hmm. United and who it needs to be. That hasn't happened at Man United for a long, long time. And somebody actually telling Lindelof it matters, you know, and that he can't have his soppy little doe-eyed look of, oh, why did that go in at the near post? Uh, you know, enough of that. So we, that, that's, you know, we shouldn't harken back. I mean, it happened subsequent to Roy Keane that we had leaders on the pitch, but that was brilliant. That was one of the best, one of the best parts of the season. And uh, that's why. And, and that was going on to a loss in the. Yeah, <laughs> no, but that's why it's he's St. Bruno because he is everything yeah. we need. Yeah, so it's funny. I, you you learn guys more have. In your, in your defeats than you do in your victories. Sorry, what? Yeah. I think you learn more about, like, the yeah. character of a of a side or character of a player yeah. when they're going through the difficult time. It's easy to be, we talked about this yesterday with, with uh, Arsenal. Like Aubameyang's a great captain when Arsenal's up two nothing because he's such a fun guy. But you know, where's, where's the grit? And like, that's if, if, if you're giving up goals that you shouldn't be giving up. Yeah. You want your captain lighten everybody mm -hmm. up. And I think that's a really good point you made there. Um, you learn, you learn the most and you grow in, in, in failures. And honestly, that could be applied to, to Harry Maguire. I'm actually interested to see how he plays and how he kicks on. I think it would have been a better message if, if his captaincy was stripped. And I think you ask United fans, I think their true captain is Bruno. Um, 
And I actually think this is a great opportunity for McGuire. In a weird way, I think it's a great opportunity for him to look himself in the mirror and say, am I reflecting the values of, of the club? Am I doing enough? And maybe, you know, you either you either regress from a situation like this and kind of turtle into yourself, or you come back stronger and, and you come through the controversy. So I'm curious to see how that'll play out. But yeah, I agree with you guys. I don't think there's a world where the captaincy changes at this point because it's so far after the fact um, for something right. to happen. Yeah, something new is going to have to come to light about yeah. that case. Like there's going to have to be yeah. a new discovery that makes All him right. look worse. And, oh, so there's not enough yeah. that's already been weird about this? There's going to be something oh, into, yeah. new and Yeah, weird. just wait. <laughs> yeah. Just wait. Well, I realize we're already... There, there's still a lot I want to talk to you guys about, and we're already running kind of late. I, we had better segues built into this question, but I'm just going to jump into this question. Will we ever win anything with Ollie? <laughs> James wrote this question. I wrote this question. Disclosure. Please, please, please don't make it about me. I am interested. <laughs> I am an interested observer. But if you do remember, I, I asked you a year ago if United would win a trophy in the next five years, so... I suppose I can just change that to four years at this point. And, and let me preface this by saying it was my question. I think Ollie had a great season, and I think he silenced a lot of doubters. And I think we we I we agree. ended up in a really strong spot. And you can start to see he's not a sporting director, but at least you see some semblance of plan and vision, which I didn't. Louis Van Hel Van Hall was buying Schweinsteiger and Di Maria. Mourinho was a was a a comet hurtling towards the earth. Ollie, I feel a lot better about, but I still ask I still ask you guys this question: Will we ever win anything with him? So I think we had a great season last season. If you had told me at the beginning of the season we were going to end up third in the Premier League and be in three semifinals, you know, one game in three occasions away from a final and there and thereby a trophy, um, I think that's a great season. Then you take twenty twenty as a year. Um, we were, um, you know, and I'm sure this can be fact-checked, but I, I believe we were the best team, English team, of 2020. Um, I mean, all Liverpool's uh, uh, brilliance was really prior to, the, to January. Uh, Post-January and Bruno, we were one of the best, if not the best team in terms of win record. And post-lockdown, I think we were only just pipped by Man City as we dipped in the last couple of games to be the best so if you look at that, the season as a whole, where we finished, the, the trophies that we, the, or the semifinals we got into, and how we finished, I think that that's a good launching pad. So um, uh, my answer is definitely yes. I, I think we will win a trophy, and I think it'll be next year. Uh, I, too, think that we'll win a trophy. Um I don't know if it will be next year. Um, it will definitely be within the next two seasons. Because um, the way I look at it is that we're we're only we're only getting better under Solshire. I mean, it's it's all about improvement. Um, so many people are waiting for instant success, and what a lot of people fail to forget is that the reason behind all this instant success is that there's a foundation that teams like Chelsea. Build on so when Chelsea has a historically collapsed season and then the next season they bounce back and win the Premier League, it's because they have that backbone that keeps them stable um, and they have the leadership that helps them bounce back um, 
and project them to a successful season in the coming seasons. While for Manchester United, um, these last couple of years have shown us that it's not so much the case. So I think when Solskjaer came in after Mourinho, he he had a lot of cleaning up to do and he had a lot of um, to establish. So we're still seeing that and we'll still see that for the next at least two more seasons. And from what he's been doing so far, everything has been like incredible. It's been, it's been, you know, he started like pretty much really low with Mourinho's team. And then he went on that unbelievable run. And then it was a little slow at the beginning of this season, but that's because of injuries and all that kind of nonsense. And then as soon as um, the second half of the season started, we catapulted. So you can see the people he's bringing in, the ideas that he's, that he's um, instilling, um, it's all moving towards that direction, but I don't think it's going to be as instant as him succeeding next year and winning a trophy as much as I want that to happen, but I definitely see it happening in the next two seasons. Um, he's also learning a lot himself as well. Um, cause you know, you don't just jump in the premier league as a coach and think you're all, you know, high and mighty. He's also learning a bit himself. So I do, I do see this upward trend that I do see that something good will happen within the next two seasons. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes on the trophies. I guess one just quick follow-up on that is I think that you, you look back to last year, I think that it was very clear, especially around the Fernandez situation, that he wasn't getting the support from the board that would have matched like a top four ambition, you know, to start the summer and, you know, really kind of push things forward. I think that that excuse, whether it's an excuse legitimate or not, excuse is probably the wrong word, but I think that that crutch is now gone a bit. We've seen just how exciting this team can be with Fernandez. I think anyone would be kidding themselves if that team didn't look every bit like old United after Project Restart, you know, the way that they were flying forward with numbers, they looked very, very threatening. Is there a case to be made? There's obviously a lot of noise about it around, is he going to get sacked at the beginning of last season? He survived that. Does he lose that kind of margin for error going into this season? Or does he still have that goodwill with what he's kind of built up over the last season and a half? Because I, I, I do agree with you guys. I'm, I'm not, I'm not having a go here. I'm genuinely I'll, asking that. I'll question. add to that too. And, as the writer of said question, um, I, I I don't I don't disagree with you guys either. That wasn't a leading question, and that I don't have faith in Ollie. I think he's an- answered a lot of critics, but as Patrick knows from our other interviews and just episodes we've done, I there's nothing I despise more, and maybe it's just the me- the media perpetuating this versus like the people who actually matter in the clubs. But like margin of error for Ollie is like here, and I actually think he was going to get fired right after Burnley if if he didn't win the next game. Um, it's here, and then you've got like Lampard, and he's like up here, and apparently he's like the best young coach in the world. And with Ollie, I think the progression, the progress is a clear, straight, positive line. I think his leash, and I'm curious to hear from you guys, his leash is like this. Like if I think if there's any sign of st- being stagnant or, or negative, negative progress. I think I think he's he's gone, and 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 they are going to revert to bringing in like a like a Pochettino or Nagelsmann or, or yeah. something like that, who's someone who has a pedigree. And I, I don't, I guess it's a different conversation entirely whether or not I agree with that because I think it's pretty unfair. But um, I'm curious how you guys feel about the rope that he's he's going to be given. Uh, I I personally think the the more he continues like this, the longer his leash gets. Just because he was brought on with a long leash, ju- just to be like, you know, if he fails 
at least he will build something and then we can get rid of him later. But at least we gave him time to build something. But now he has built something and has succeeded with that. So it it shows that he his ideas are clearly working. And if he does, unless, you know, this is all short of like a fatal collapse in, in the season, like a Mourinho third season. Um, um, I, I think that he will, he will continue to have the goodwill um, because of the, the recent success that he's been able to show. And I also believe because he's a fan favorite player and now he's becoming a fan favorite coach that his failures will be more on was he being backed enough with what he what he wanted because obviously what was brought in for him has been working so if he's asking for something and it doesn't get bring in or brought in and he starts to fail a little bit i think the public perspective would be more of that well he didn't get he didn't actually get what he wanted and this is why we're failing Mm. a completely opposite of a Mourinho where Mourinho is just bitching and complaining the whole time but everyone knows who Mourinho is, and he's just, you know, he's kind of an asshole. So everyone's just like, you know, you know, whatever. Oh, uh, clearly Mourinho was just pissed off that United didn't want to do the Netflix series because uh, obviously that was, <laughs> you know, that was what Mourinho he loves the camera. Loves. I mean, he just that that's what, yeah, that is what he exists for. Um, so I, I think that um, Solskjaer has essentially, to answer, you know, I think you're right, Patrick. I think he has stepped up what the expectation would be. And if um, I would suspect the the um, the expectation for social as written by you know Woodward or the board or whoever does this thing would be for an improvement next season. Now improvement means not necessarily to win the league, but certainly be in uh, the top four, so Champions League position, and to be closer to the title winners than the last. You know, four or Probably, five years, and certainly closer than last year. I mean, we were thirty points off. The, create create a gap where you're like next year we could close it. Yes. No. So he needs yeah. to be not just top four because he's proven that that. I mean, that should happen with our with our. The one thing sport. I'll I say: that's a reasonable... third place is amazing. The points tally, I think, was the lowest we've had in a long, long time because yeah. I think the the parity yeah. of the league was so out of whack that I think we had sixty six points. So. Maybe right, but I think James. The expectation will be that I think the expectation for Manchester United as a club, and therefore for Solskjaer as its coach, would be top four. I, no, I agree. Closer to the Premier League. I don't think he'll be given you should win the Premier League, but closer so that the season after, because then we're closing in on nearly ten years. <laughs> uh, that the season after, you could imagine winning the Premier League. There's no reason. Standing here right now, we could say we imagine. I know we haven't done our top four predictions, but uh, spoiler alert: I'm not going to say Man United to win the league. But you want to be at the end of the season, like when we do this a year from now, they could win the league. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the third thing he'll be said is not a trophy, so not the Carabao Cup, FA Cup, but a deep run into the Champions League. Um, and I would say that means quarterfinal minimum. So I think those will be his expectations. And if those are out of sight by February or March, I think uh, he'd be under risk. I don't think that'll happen. I think we'll have a good season. I think we can meet those expectations. But I think that'd be fair game for him as a coach. I think that's a fair standard to be measured by. 
Yeah, I, I, I largely agree. I think all of that goes out the window if you sign Sancho, and then it's a different different discussion. The Muppets but, take uh, over. For now, I think that those are, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then, it's, then it's title or bust, for better or worse. Probably, uh, probably not, but, uh, yeah. you know, that's the, the expectation. You asked if we could imagine winning the title this season. I think plenty of people can imagine it. <laughs> I'm thinking about it right now. I can drink. I can dream about it. I think. Yeah. I think if we had a signing season like Chelsea just had, I think. I think it would have to be a title season or bust. But we obviously have. Yeah, so. right. It's been a different. It's been a different window. Well, let's let's move it to the to the closing stages. We do want your uh, little bit leave it takes. Uh, any hot takes we can put out there, and then your your uh, top four ranking finishes. But before we get to that, I did write in a fun segment. We'll keep it very short. And I think this, this segment is fun because it's yes or no with no qualifiers. There's no yes, but there's no, no. However, the segment's called, are they good enough? And I'm going to rattle off some names and you're just going to tell me if they're good enough. That's how it goes. We might've discussed a few of these already, right? Do I get to play? Patrick, you get to play. We'll go snake snake style in my hangouts. I'll go last okay. every time. I'll go so last every Colin time. Colin will go first for this one, and then Dad will go first for the other one. So, okay. Aaron Wenbasaka, is he good enough? It's just it's a just yes a or no, yes or no answer. answer. I love it. Yes, he is good enough. Yes. Okay. Yes. Harry Mc... But... No, I won't do it. <laughs> but the crossing... <laughs> Yeah, Harry Maguire. Yes, yes, he's good enough. Begrudgingly, yes. You hate him, yeah. Uh, Victor Lindelof. (laughs) As much as I love him, no, no, no. Wow, wow. Luke Shaw. Yes, he's good enough. This deserves a butt. This <laughs> <needs> a butt. <laughs> Come on, Nigel. Got to play by the rules. I'll, I'll help you, Nigel. No, he's not good enough. It's it's a yes. Fred. No. Uh, I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> I'm actually saying yes as well. I've always rated Fred. Just the just fun, to be a thorn the fun in thing Nigel's about side. this is there are so many qualifications to the question like good enough for what but uh, that's not that's not the game i know i'm just i'm itching to go on a rant right now it's not even my squad okay uh nemanja matic yes yes mctominay yes martial no on matic you cut me off but anthony martial martial yes martial yes Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Greenwood. Yeah. Yes. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yes. Okay. There was not as much controversy as I thought. You'll notice I am not even bringing up Pereira, Lingard, or or, or the supporting band. <laughs> it's yeah, there's, time. Not, there's not a whole lot okay, of last depth one. Juan Mata. when it comes to that. No. No. <laughs> I think if anybody exudes Manchester United quality, it's Juan Mata. So yes, I'm going yes there. <laughs> no, no, he's passed it. All he's right. Passed it. That's yeah, fun. I, I was wondering if there was going to be any dissent in the Martial Rashford category, but oh, okay. uh, no. I mean, I mean, they just displayed their two best seasons of their career so Didn't far. They do it's, it's thirty goals no. between I'm them in the saying. league. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. Ima- imagine if they got a Sanchez. I don't be... like them. You if love Martial. I would throw up everywhere. I do love Martial. You don't like Rashford because he does too much good stuff for the community. 
on on record <laughs> on record is saying boo, boo I don't man. I don't like I don't boo like Rashford because he makes it very hard for me not to like him so I have to <laughs> right. just actively right. work my way into all right yeah. well let's get into it guys a little bit leave it it's a little bit leave it I'd love to hear your takes they can be Manchester United related they can be Premier League club trend related whatever you guys have we're here to take them on what do we got so I've got one for the first game of the season Love it. So it's like I you're like all in on the first game. I've got I've got other ones, but I've got one just to juice it up for the first game of the season. Leeds United are gonna be the new wolves. Meaning I'll tell you where they finish, but they will be the new wolves and they will be the first team to beat Liverpool at Anfield for two years. Ooh. On the first game of the first season. Game of the season. Yes. Ooh. Wow. There is I'll no. talk to you about trends, and we've done Patrick bit off a bit more more than he can chew from an editing perspective because we've done about nine round tables now, and <laughs> the amount of disrespect we'll get to rankings that is put on Liverpool across all the fans we've talked to is pretty shocking from my perspective. <laughs> yeah, James, we're gonna have to have a talk uh, on our own episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll leave we'll it. Just we'll leave it. just wait till you get to my yeah, final I, oh. uh, takes for the for, yeah. <laughs> Okay, Colin. We can we can wait. go we can go back and forth ping pong on on that. It sounds like now you got a yeah. full list here, so we'll oh, just go this. until you're done. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, and this will also tie into the top four. Um, so this will this will lead into my next comment when we get to the top four. I think Liverpool will drop down to fourth place um, this season. I think they'll I think they'll start off hot and then they'll hit the midseason and just finally just like, get an, an, just an unlucky injury that evaded them all of last they'll, season yeah i mean they didn't even at the end of the season they didn't even need an unlucky you know injury they won what two games since the restart so i uh yeah i don't uh i don't rate them very highly for this season so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say that liverpool finishes fourth if not fifth so that'll be my wow. hot take okay very hot so um the second one was the Henderson De Gea one, which you already got. So that's measurable yep. by uh, January. Mm-hmm. And James and Patrick, you'll, you'll recognize I'm being very respectful of the need for a time period for these things because I've heard a few uh, discussions about how loose some of these uh, mm. these time periods. Yeah, his Lukaku take, so his Lukaku take is still active yeah, in yeah. Syria. so uh the henderson de Gea one is the second one uh which you already had so my third this is by the end of the season manchester united will have scored more penalties than goals inside the penalty area (laughs) okay so lots of outside the box shots no 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 specifically we'll have more penalties scored than we will have scored goals in in the penalty box other than penalties Uh I saw some statistic that was yeah. like Donny Vanderbeek has earned more penalties for yeah. Ajax than. Oh no, I know. I'm, this yeah. is why I'm full on this. This is this is a team built to get penalties, <laughs> and we don't even get Shaw and Wan-Bissaka in the penalty box yeah, yet. Right. So just wait till they right. join in. Right. That's yeah. a good one. Colin, do you have any any, any, any others Colin. rattling around? Uh, I mean, I didn't come nearly as prepared as Nigel did for this one, so oh, I, well I will good. defer we my did time text to him. You. I'll, I'll his... give you. A, I'm going to give you a nice one, Colin. Here's one. <laughs> Man, this one does have a time period, but it may not be the end of the season. We touched on this already. Man United will win a trophy before either of the North London clubs get back into the Champions League. That's a wow. 
There's a lot of there's a lot of ooh was there's was a lot that, of was that so we could be waiting for this one for another ten years but wasn't so yeah if you win the, there if you win the Carabao Cup we might not even get a chance but otherwise right, exactly this, it could be yeah. done by it could be done by yeah. March or it could be another ten years what did yeah, we, we have might, a, we might have top four sorted by March so you know you never really know <laughs> I feel like we had a similar hot take uh, the last time we did this last year before last mm. season um, just did I yeah think, well, I think well, it was it was their question about whether. Uh, no, Patrick was saying, should will Man United win a trophy before? Arsenal it was in five start? years. I was uh, okay. just right. yeah. purely yeah. looking for a reaction, and I got more than I ever could have asked for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all good stuff. Oh, so good then stuff. Uh, I just have Let's my final one because we've got to get into the. We yeah. got to get into. No, we got to get into. I, I defer my stuff. time to Nigel because he's he's coming. You're in. like I have to cut a few so, for time, but here's my last one. This is how you book a second appearance on Prem de la Proud. This is how you do it. So Klopp will be national team manager of Germany by the end of the season, and I will timestamp that because I want that to happen. Because I'm a I'm a yep. German national. So I, <laughs> okay. I need that to happen. Yeah, Jurgen Lowe is already showing signs of strain in the opening games of the Nash. The German the the, the German national team is not going to put up with this. No, uh, they are okay. they so, are they are. Uh, and so it's like has, watching I, LVG all over again. Not necessarily because Liverpool underperformance, but I believe if if he's able to have a, even if he has a great season at Liverpool, that's. That's the next job. He thing. said he's he's publicly said he may retire at the end of his Liverpool contract. Does it right? He says he's taking a year off at the end of his Liverpool contract, and then if he misses the game, does he'll that, come does back. that change that your is his answer? Official statement. He seems like a no bullshit yeah. guy. Okay. I, well, I just I, I I I love it though. That's what the yeah. segment's all about. Let's not put it under. That's the a Patrick Crowley the top uh, four. take if I ever heard one. All right, all right, guys. Let's get <laughs> yeah. down to it. Let's do our top four rankings in order and see where things fall. Who wants to go first? Yeah, me yeah, first? Okay. I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, I'm going to say, um, without any explanation, I'm going to say Man City on top again. Uh, I'm going to say Chelsea for number two. I'm going to say Manchester United for number three. Liverpool, number four. And then rounding out five, six, and seven will be a mix of... Uh, Arsenal, uh, Leeds United, and Wolves. Ooh. I can okay. get behind the Spurs' yeah. destruction, but, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't... I mean, you saw resemblance of Mourinho's third season before his full That's right. He's season, gone through the so. mo- the lunar cycles have kind of expedited. Like, Mourinho's going into third season. Yeah, no, no, he, he's counting the... the, uh, the, the, the when football came back from the, the lockdown, he's saying that's his... That was his second season. season. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Won a derby. Yeah, he's like, we're yeah. back, baby. So, All right. Uh, I agree. Man City, uh, Man City to finish top, unfortunately. Uh, I think Liverpool will still be second. Uh, United third, Chelsea fourth, um, and then as I said, Leeds will be fifth. For a while, Leeds will be in the top. Oh, four. so by the new Wolves, that wow. meant fifth place. Yes. Wow. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. That's. I mean, have you read about this guy Bielsa? Spygate. Yeah. Bielsa's something else. Oh, he he's. Really uh, I, I mean. I would love him just to be Man United manager, just for the pleasure of being able to watch that every every uh, yeah. every week. <laughs> and well, that and they, they came into the Premier League and they just started splashing cash too. Yeah. So no, they they uh, they yeah no they're um, 
and they've got that wolves type ethic about them as well. So I, right. I think they're uh, they're going to be the okay. surprise package. Okay. They played um, they played Arsenal in the FA Cup last year, and they looked like every bit yeah like a, a Premier League side when they yeah. did that. You know? Well, so, we we yeah. asked I think Calvin Phillips, I think, young English guy. Some we asked problems. a we asked another group this question, and I, I'm I'm sensing some good some good heat coming from this group. So I just want to see if we can squeeze out one more take. Surprise package team to go down. I know Leeds is like over overperform. Mm-hmm. What's what's a team who you might not suspect who would go down this season? Well, I think they should go down, so that it really doesn't qualify. But it may be a surprise. I think Crystal Palace will go this time. Is that I'm a surprise say Shef- enough? Is that enough of a surprise? Well, they've been more of a mid Jack, team. I think Jack said West Ham, 14, which yeah. is like not that surprising, but they nearly went down already. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Colin, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to say uh, Sheffield United is going to go. Down. I actually back Ooh. that. I the Blades. Yeah. 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 I I'm going to say the loss of Dean Henderson and then kind of fizzling out trying to push so hard to get up into the premier or up into the upper ranks of the premier league is going to be a burnout so i'm gonna i'm gonna say they're gonna be struggling yeah. this year yeah they were i mean i really i'd really love to say everton out. but i just don't think it'll happen but that if i if you force me to pick a real surprise team it would be everton you think everton is gonna go no you think they're going in the wrong I'm direction just saying if you oh yeah <laughs> i mean they, they're hopeless they really are <laughs> <laughs> I, I I wouldn't say they're that hopeless, but I I would say they Spurs, are hopeless. Not that Spurs hopeless. Everton first game of the season, right? I'm I'm really excited for that. Um. Anyway, all right, guys, this has been this has been really great. Thanks so much for coming on. We always get some good opinions out of out of you both, United related. I know it's Patrick's favorite one. Just getting to listen to us drone on. <laughs> Um, well, yeah. I mean, really looking forward to the new season, and obviously, we'd be excited to have you guys back on to see how these how these takes pan out so thanks yeah Nigel I'm going to require it (laughs) (laughs) thanks so much guys appreciate the time thanks Phil thanks guys okay Bye. bye